Hi, welcome to the Get Real About Safety podcast, where we discuss the new view of safety, the things that work, the things that don't work, to break down old paradigms and help you improve safety performance in your organization. Hi, I'm Mike McCarroll. Today's podcast, or I should say video cast, this is actually the first video cast that I've attempted. I've done a number of the audio only podcasts, and Pam has done a number of these video casts, but this is my first. Today's topic is on how bias clouds our understanding of events. So I want to start out with this quote from Stephen Covey Seek first to understand, then to be understood. So today's topic is really important, and it's probably one of the most important topics that we can actually discuss since it's fundamental to being able to truly understand any event. Since learning teams are at the heart of understanding events in human performance, whether it be an accident, a near miss, a human error, an at-risk behavior, a quality or a production issue, or what have you. So before we get into it, it's kind of important for us to first talk about three of the top five pillars that support human performance. Pillar number one is blame fixes nothing. It just doesn't. Blame simply transfers fault to the worker. It doesn't get to the underlying system issues that may be driving the worker behavior or the error that we are seeing. It simply fixes nothing and it leaves a trap for other people down the road. Number two is that behaviors happen within the context of the work. Almost every behavior or every error that happens in the workplace happen because of issues that lie within the work or the culture or the leadership or the features of the tools and equipment that people work with or many other things. Number three is that organizational response matters. How management responds to failure really matters. It tells the workers everything that they need to know. When the default is blame, all learning stops. How management understands an event colors the way that it responds, and it influences the corrective actions or the defenses that are implemented. Blame typically stems from unconscious cognitive biases that affect all of us as human beings. If you are a learning team facilitator or you plan to do learning team facilitation, your primary job is to disallow blame and bias from entering the picture. You must create an environment that is free of blame, free of bias, that is non-threatening, and that encourages honest dialogue, and one that is protective of the participants themselves. Otherwise, they will go into a self-protective mode, and they may fabricate information. So you have to be able to recognize bias and put a stop to it as it arises. Recently, I was contacted by a large company asking me to come and facilitate a learning team after a life-altering event that happened with high energy. And what they said was that we need a third-party, unbiased person with no dog in the hunt that can 
facilitate this learning team because we think we are too biased. We created the rules. We created the culture. We have somewhat of an authoritarian culture, and we are so wrapped in our own rules and policies and the way that we handle safety that we don't think we can eliminate the bias that we need to to actually understand what happened. This is the primary reason that event learning teams need to start with understanding the work itself rather than understanding the event. Those who study HP know about the concept of work as imagined versus work as practice. In most cases, management has no clue what it takes to actually do the work. In most cases, safety people, unless they do the work, have no idea what it takes to do the work. So today we want to talk about nine distinct biases and also a couple of ways that our brains tend to trick us into misunderstanding and how to overcome their influence to gain a better understanding. Cognitive biases are the result of your brain's attempt to simplify information processing. They often work as rules of thumb to help you make sense of the world and to be able to reach decisions quickly. The human brain tends to seek logic or an easy way to understand things. As a result, biases happen unconsciously. Unfortunately, we live in a complex world. Workers work in complex environments where everything in an organization is interconnected. Attempting to understand human error or at-risk behaviors through simple logic is usually a losing strategy that typically devolves into blaming the worker rather than understanding the system and the environment in which they work. Unless we are trained and aware of how to manage bias, it will always be there, undermining our own understanding of the event. So let's talk about some of the more prevalent biases that we need to be aware of and manage. The first one is hindsight bias. Hindsight bias is probably the biggest bias that hinders our understanding. Traditional investigations tend to start with an event and work backwards in hindsight which of course is always 2020. We tend to trace actions and decisions of the worker backwards in a linear fashion. The problem with this is that when we start with the event, we have the luxury of knowing the outcome, but the worker did not have that knowledge. They were moving forward in time as events were unfolding around them, and they were subject to numerous constraints, pressures, and organizational influences. Had they known that the action or the decision they were getting ready to make was going to lead to a bad outcome, they wouldn't have done what they did. People do what they do because it makes sense to them at the time. It has to make sense to them, otherwise they simply wouldn't do it. And that's regardless of the behavior or the type of error that occurs. For example, let's say you have an electrician standing on the top rung of a stepladder. We all know that that's not safe, right? You can see that every day out in the workplace. But there is a reason why that worker is doing that or why they're violating a procedure. There's always a reason why it makes sense to the worker. Maybe it was too difficult to get a ladder. Maybe a ladder was not available that was long enough to get to the work while they were also under a tremendous amount of production pressure and being pushed by supervision to hurry up and get the work done. Sometimes people say, well, maybe the worker did it a thousand times before and got away with it. Very true. However, that also opens up some other systems questions too, right? Like where is supervision? 
Why do we not know that that's been going on many, many times before? Allowing that worker's risk perception to drop and their risk tolerance to increase. Another form of bias is counterfactuals. They are usually linked to hindsight bias. And what a counterfactual is, it's saying what somebody should have done or what they could have done. This, of course, doesn't explain why they did it. It just says they should have done it or they could have done it. It's basically a form of blame, and it seeks to transfer responsibility back to the persons involved. When counterfactuals are allowed, it takes learning away from the system issues. When we start with an event and we trace it backwards in hindsight, it can lead us into that trap of counterfactuals. In event learning, you never ever start with the event itself. You start before the event and you work towards it. This is different than a traditional accident investigation that starts at an accident and then it traces it backwards in a linear path and then seeks to deconstruct it down to minute pieces. What we're actually doing there is we're looking for broken components. However, in event learning, we're constructing the event, not deconstructing, and we're doing that through the lens of the people who actually do the work. The best way to conduct a session is by start by simply having a conversation about what it takes to do the work. Forget the event, it's already happened. Since work rarely goes as planned or as imagined by management, what you want to know is what are the complications, what are the complexities, the difficulties, the pressures involved in doing the work. Much can be learned without even discussing the actual event. I had a president of a company in New York a while back who handled this perfectly. They had a relatively serious event, and of course the guys wanted to talk about the event itself. And he told them, no, I don't want to discuss the event. I just want to understand what it takes to do the work. You guys do the work. You're the experts. Teach us what it takes to actually do the work. As they started going through all the steps and all the difficulties, the complications, the complexities, it became really apparent about halfway through that session, and everybody kind of realized, why are we even doing it that way? There are much safer, much more efficient, much more profitable ways of doing the work. Why are we doing it that way? Of course, you know what the answer was, right? That's the way we've always done it. Once you've established what it takes to do the work, then we can move towards the event. Students of HP are very familiar with the thing called the black line and the blue line, which is a model of work as imagined versus work as practiced. The black line represents work as we imagine that it goes. However, the blue line represents work as it actually goes. You want to place yourself on the blue line and understand the work from the perspective of those actually doing the work. They are the best operational intelligence in any organization. By doing this, you move away from what people should have done or could have done to actually understanding how it made sense to them to do what they did. Outcome bias is another dangerous bias. This is where someone believes they already know what led to the outcome before they have an actual understanding. This is harmful because it places too much weight on the outcome and isn't critical enough of the system factors that led to the outcome. When someone believes they have it figured out, there's no need for further learning. All learning stops. It tends to shut down listening and it biases our thoughts and actions back towards trying to fix the person rather than fixing the system. And if you've studied HP, 
You know that trying to fix workers is a losing proposition. We will never fix all the workers. We will never stop human error. The best we can do is fix the system that people work in that leads to those errors and leads to those at-risk behaviors. Outcome bias most often happens with negative events and it pushes management toward a much harsher punishment than if the same decision had led to a positive outcome. Now another form of outcome bias is overreaction based on the seriousness of the outcome. A while back, I had a client who had a $1 million damage claim to a railroad due to a dump truck body being left up. Now, this same organization had three other very similar events, but they hardly cost any money at all. It was just a minor amount of damage. There was no delving into those. However, once that $1 million accident occurred, there was a massive overreaction there was no learning. It was just simply blame the worker. But it was a reaction to the cost of the event versus understanding that the same issues were there in the previous events. Often the same underlying factors that lead to serious events were there in less serious events that we tended to turn a blind eye to. Now if there's any bias that we really have to guard against, it's this one. Confirmation bias. This is one we really, really, really have to be cognizant of and assure that it doesn't enter the picture. We all want to be right. We all want to think that our thoughts and preconceived notions are accurate. So we tend to seek information that confirms what we believe to be true. You see this every day at play on social media. Someone has a belief about how things are supposed to be or how they want things to be. So they scour the internet searching for other posts, news articles, statistics, or YouTube videos that will support their pre-existing beliefs. At the same time, they ignore or discredit contrary information that conflicts with what they believe. In this instance, you can always find information that conflicts with other information. So we selectively pick out the ones that we agree with and confirm to ourselves, that's it. We must be right, confirmed. Another form of this bias is getting others to agree with us. Confirmation bias is often linked to outcome bias. When we tend to think we already have the outcome figured out, we tend to get others to try and agree with us because it helps us feel we're right or that we are in control. Currently with the COVID-19 crisis, you see people on social media who are polarized in their views. Yet each of them are convinced that they're right and others are wrong. As a result, social media has become a cesspool of insults, misinformation, and extremism, mostly driven by confirmation bias. The sad part is that most people are not even consciously aware of their own bias. Another bias is called self-serving bias. When it comes to evaluating our own decisions and behaviors, we have a tendency to attribute our successes to our personal characteristics or our level of knowledge or experience. However, when failures occur, we tend to blame them on external factors. You see this in many forms. Safety people, for example, who base success on lagging indicators such as a recordable rate will take credit when the numbers are low, but point to external factors that are out of their control when the numbers go south. Another form of this is when managers blame workers for not paying attention or not keeping their eyes on the path of travel when the worker falls and gets hurt. 
However, when the same thing happens to the manager and they get injured, there's a tendency to deflect blame onto someone or something else, such as the maintenance department. They didn't keep up with the proper lighting. During learning sessions, the workers themselves may exhibit self-serving bias. It's most prevalent when there's a perceived fear for being honest. When organizations first start doing learning sessions, and if previous investigations have mostly resulted in blaming the workers, you can be almost certain that this bias will raise its head. Learning team facilitators should be trained to do some upfront work at the beginning of each session to allay fears and be constantly looking for this bias as it arises. Fundamental attribution bias is another one. This is sometimes technically referred to as a fundamental attribution error. However, I like to call it a bias because honestly, that's really what it is. This is where in hindsight, we take the last thing in a chain of events and focus exclusively on that while ignoring all the underlying factors that led up to it. In most events, the last thing that occurs is what we refer to as an active trigger. An active trigger is usually an unsafe act or an unsafe condition. It triggers the event to occur, but it doesn't cause it. It is a symptom, not a cause. Almost all unsafe acts have a causal history that extend way back in time. These usually have much deeper underlying causes that are embedded within the management or the operating system itself. Rarely are accidents preceded by bizarre behavior. In most cases, people are doing exactly what they normally do that is normally successful until one day it's not. Once focus is placed on the active trigger, we then tend to take it a step further and start blaming it on the personal characteristics of the person or the persons involved. This is where you get comments such as, you can't fix stupid, or that person is clumsy, or they're accident prone, or they just don't pay attention, or other ridiculous forms of blame, because that's what it is. It is blame, make no mistake. You often see self-serving bias used in combination with attribution bias, such as the worker had an event because they were an idiot, but then when the same thing happens to us, it was somebody else's fault. Anchoring bias is another bias, and that's the tendency to rely too heavily on the first piece of information you learn. This bias is heavily linked to hindsight bias and further complicated by confirmation bias. Often during an investigation, a seemingly significant piece of information is discovered and we believe that this must have been the cause, when in fact it may be only one small piece of information. Without deeper information, we tend to take that information out of context, impose new meaning on it, and by taking things out of context, we rob ourselves of truly understanding the event. Cherry picking. This is the act of taking tidbits of information from various sources or from participants and linking them together to create the outcome as we want it to be rather than as it actually is. It is firmly steeped in outcome bias. It is also highly subject to confirmation bias to assure that we get the outcome that we want. You often see this with news outlets who try to create a narrative, usually for some type of political purpose, by cherry-picking pieces of information, then weaving it into what they want us to believe as a fact. In organizations, cherry-picking occurs when a bad event happens that could lead to legal actions. 
In order to protect itself, a narrative is developed to scapegoat the worker and shift blame away from the organization. The problem, of course, is that the true underlying causes are not corrected, which leaves the same deficiencies in place and leaves a trap for someone else at a later date. Let's talk about Dunning-Kruger effect. This is a cognitive bias where people believe they are smarter and more capable than they actually are. Often management does not know what it does not know. And in the absence of being competent in understanding events, it overestimates its ability to truly understand an event. In other words, we are ignorant to our own ignorance. This is why it is so important for managers to be trained in human performance and the biases that cloud their understanding and that they insist on digging deeper into events. The only thing worse than not knowing what we don't know is not knowing that we don't know what we don't know. In addition to the biases we discussed, there are a couple of tricks our brains play on us that further cloud our understanding. The first one is looking for patterns. The human brain is adept at looking for patterns, then convincing ourselves that the patterns are linked together and are proof of our pre-existing outcome bias. This is how conspiracy theories get started. People look for patterns, link them together, become convinced of nefarious actions by people or groups of people. They then, through confirmation bias, seek information to prove that that conspiracy is real. This is not only a combination of bias, but to some degree, it's also laced with a little bit of paranoia. Another one is linking random events into a cause and effect model. Sometimes two or more random events happen within proximity to each other. This happens over here, that happens over there, so they must be connected. Oftentimes there is no causal connection whatsoever. They are simply two random events with no connection. This is why evidence is so important to confirm whether the two are actually connected. Patterns work the same way. Sometimes people will see a figure in the clouds or an image on a piece of toast and link them together to create something that, in fact, doesn't really exist. So let's talk about how to avoid bias in learning sessions. There are a number of other biases that exist, but for now, these are the ones that have the most effect on the understanding of events. When conducting learning sessions, it's critical that facilitators know and understand them. The first step is to recognize that everyone exhibits cognitive bias. We all do. That includes us, the workers, and management. As a result, it can lead to distorted thinking and an inaccurate picture of the event, misinformation, and flawed defenses. Remember that the vast majority of traditional investigations are flawed due to bias or a combination of biases. This is because it allows us to reach decisions quickly by trying to simplify things into a logical sequence. The problem, of course, is that neither human error nor human behavior are simple. Organizations are not simple. They are complex. HP is about understanding the interconnections between people and the many facets of organizational life that cause people to make the decisions they make. To overcome bias, we need to be aware and recognize them as they raise their ugly heads. Consider the influence they have on your understanding and the decisions that follow from management on that understanding. And actively challenge our own biases. We need to think, what are some factors that maybe I missed? Am I giving too much weight to certain factors? Am I ignoring relevant information because it doesn't support my view? 
By doing these things, we can all become a more accurate and more critical thinker and produce much better learning team outcomes. Well, that's it for today. Hope you learned something valuable out of this podcast. I truly believe that attempting to hold learning teams without removing bias and blame are pretty much a waste of time. We owe it to the workers and to our organizations to do a much better job of understanding what's really going on. So get real about safety. Please subscribe and leave a comment as to whether or not this podcast was helpful. And until next time, have a great day and go out and save a life. See you next time.